Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guide books. Hello, and welcome to Gaze at the National Parks. <laughs> Shall we try that again? Yes, because you look like a babushka woman. <laughs> <laughs> I do, because I'm freezing. <laughs> it was warm earlier. Hello, and welcome to Gaze at the National Parks. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. Gaze at the National Parks, if you're joining us for the first time, is a podcast where we hike one or two, sometimes trails, in one national park per episode. Today's episode is all about the western side of the Rocky Mountain National Park known as Grand Lake. Right, it's the section that we started in when we arrived at Rocky Mountain National Park. Speaking of arriving, let's talk about our our transit from the airport in Denver to Grand Lake and how we had like some many shocking revelations that we had to go through in this journey of ours. Oh, we had many shocking revelations. Mm -hmm. Well, first we landed in Denver and we got to the like rental car agency you know connected to the airport we get into the car and we set off and we're driving and we're driving like i don't know like an hour or so into this drive because we had to drive like three hours it's like two and a half I it think. was like two and a half to three hours I think that was to our get first to our Airbnb. shocking revelation and we were like oh we have to drive two and a half hours after we get off this flight. At like nine o'clock mountain time, but right. it was like 11 o'clock Eastern time. It was like 11 o'clock. We time traveled, you know, but it wasn't time. in our favor. Yeah. Right. So that was, you know, shocking revelation number one. Although we were kind to ourselves the next day because we were. Grand Lake was literally five minutes from our... We were. Yeah. We were kind to ourselves to book an Airbnb that close to one of the... The yeah. park entrance yeah. says, yeah, we are driving mm-hmm. and we get to a point where I needed a restroom or, or a, a diet snack Coke or something. Yeah. And so we see a sign that has some stuff on it. And I was driving at the time. So I pull off this car that we had rented was we actually really loved this car. Yeah, it was a great. lot. It was a Ford EcoSport. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. And it was a hybrid car. Yeah. So the gas like cost hardly anything the whole time so we're driving and we pull off into this like kind of like restaurant but like office parky kind of area that like looked like it had a convenience store it did have a convenience store but that convenience store was closed and we got out of the car and we're like okay well where are the car keys because you didn't need keys Keys. to actually crank it it was the fob so you just sort of like push to start yeah it was a push to start kind of car but we could not find the fob no. No. And I full on Libra panic. Oh, you Libra panic. I, like, I Libra panic. We have too. to go back to the airport. Oh, yeah. We're going to never get to Grand Lake. Well, It'll be like one in the morning. This is what I was thinking. I was like, you know, because I don't have a push to start car. No. no, I mine cranks with a key. Right. Like, you know, cars used to do when we were young. Right. So I'm um, just like Adele said. That's right. So. <laughs> Because we were unfamiliar with how these cars worked, we were afraid that we had started the car and the fob was maybe still at the airport. Right. 
and that we had driven this far without the fob and that if we turned off the car, we weren't going to be able to start it again. Right. And then we would be really, really, um, you know, up, up the, the creek. creek. Right. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, okay, like let's look for them. And then, yeah, it was, there was like at least two minutes of just like, well, look there a little bit harder. Right. You need to look here harder. Yeah. Like, from both of us. Yeah. Until we did finally find them. Yeah. They were like in the they corner. They were tucked on the dashboard, like in the window. It was like kind of the weirdest spot for them to be. Um, But like, I think I spotted them and I was like, okay, here they are. Let's go. Because yeah. we were just wiped at and that point. And also the convenience store was closed. Right. So there was like no point. No. And you right. were angry. And yeah. And I was angry that it was closed. Yeah. But whatever. On to the next Diet Coke On dispensary. To the next Diet Coke dispensary. <laughs> I'm looking for adventure, wanna follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes and open your heart when you gaze at the National Park. At the National Park. At the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you there. So we continued our drive toward Grand Lake. And um, so I have a fear of heights. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Um, it gets triggered, uh, you know, by very high places. But yes. we were driving through the mountains very late at night. It's like now basically midnight. Right. We were winding through these mountains and I was like, I'm really glad it's actually really dark and that I can't actually see how yeah. far the cliff is. Cause the roads were really wide. Like it wasn't like a, like, uh, like I felt like we were very close to a cliff ledge. Careening towards the edge. Right. Yeah. So, um, we were fine, but, um, yeah, by the time we, arrived in Grand Lake, um, I was exhausted from driving. Yeah. Yeah. We had actually switched off. We'd stopped after careening through the mountains um, and like kind of meandering our way. There's a town on the other side called Winter Park. So we had actually stopped there and we switched off drivers. Um, and I kind of drove the rest of the way because I think we were both kind of exhausted, but we, I was happy to help you out there. Yeah. And we got to this Airbnb that we had booked. That was like a above a brew pub that like was all in one owned by it was called world Sun. yeah and it was people. wonderful and it was great it was such an easy check-in and we just basically collapsed into this like really nice kind of cabiny feely kind of like bedroom yeah um and we looked at the um you know mike's favorite thing would have been to like wake up at 5 a.m and like get out on the trails but i was like no 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 like we we do want to talk to the park ranger, right? And that's always a good thing on the first day. We were like, let's get to you know the you ranger know, station, the when ranger it station when it opens. Which the internet said it opened at what time? Eight. But we were kind to ourselves. We, and were. we slept in. We're like, we'll do it at nine. It'll be okay. Yeah, or we'll, like eight thirty, I think, is what we ultimately decided on. Right. But by and the time we were literally yeah. seven minutes away from the visitor yeah. center, we're just gonna sleep in as much as we can. Yeah. Here. And, you know, by the time we, you know, got up the next morning, we had our continental breakfast, which was like perfect, which was just like betraying our, you know, our girlfriend McDonald's and sleeping with our mistress continental breakfast. Yeah, there was no McDonald's nearby. So we did what we could. um, And we had planned ahead. Usually now we kind of like pack trail mixes and pack like bars and stuff in our bags, um, in our carry on our, um, check bags. So that way we have stuff. So we don't have to like go to the store 
first thing, like to interrupt hiking time. So we were all set as far as like snackage goes. So yeah, we, we piled in the car and we headed off to the visitor center. Like with Dusty saying, it was only like seven minutes away. I think it's the closest we've ever stayed to like a park or a visitor center. Yes, it was. And we ended up getting there and lo and behold, the ranger station wasn't open until nine. Yeah, we got there at like 8.45 yeah. or 8.35 or something, something like, like that. that. And we actually like were just like looking at the placards outside the ranger station. There was some lovely like, you know, museum like um, exhibition stuff on the outside. Yeah. And so I read all of that. And And, um, they had a whole thing about how to become a park ranger. Yeah. And there was a ranger or like a maintenance worker that had stepped out and he was like, oh, they actually open at nine. But, you know, I can get you a map if you want. He was like super kind. Um, And we're like, you know what? We're just going to go in. We're going to talk to the rangers. Um, and we waited a little bit longer. Some other cars had pulled up at that point. But, you know, we definitely, like, gay speed walked to the front. We did. We did. Well, you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I went for patches. That's right. So. Um, Which is usually what our relationship is. usually how yeah. it goes. Yeah. Like, you go to get in line to talk to the park ranger mm-hmm. and then go look at patches and t-shirts. Mm-hmm. So when we finally did get to the park ranger. Right. Um, her name was Christy. Mm-hmm. And she was... So informed and so mm-hmm. sweet. And yeah. she told us essentially if we were going to hike on this side of the park, we were going to need snowshoes. Right. She said, like, if we had gone out early enough, there were parts of hikes that we could do before we would need to turn back because the snow would start to become soft because it was a very sunny day um, and we would just sink through. There was no way around yeah. that. So she was and like, We had no experience yeah. with that at all. Yeah. So she I mean, was except like, living in New Jersey, but that's not really the same thing no 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 no. so she was like listen i really recommend snowshoes there's this place in town called never summer mountain sports right um i would go there and she was like she also kind of gave us some pointers for estes park she's like listen i think if you go over here there may be like these trails are great but you might need snowshoes there but i'm sure there's a place to rent snowshoes on the other side and we're like perfect thank you so much so we turned around and we drove back downtown. And we did. And she had also told us about some of these like um, cacti that had some uh, flowers that were blooming on it that we might be able to see on some trails over Nestus Park because they were just starting to bloom. Actually, she and the other park rangers shared a lovely moment about that. They nerded out real they hard They totally about it. nerded out real mm-hmm. hard about these flowers. But good for them, you know. And yeah, I was like, of course. I was, I was so inspired by their joy about those flowers. Mm-hmm. So the the joy about those flowers is a lifetime original film too it is yes Mm -hmm. yes so um we head to uh the you know the mountain sports place uh in town which is called never summer mountain sports right uh we go in there and um we rent some hiking shoes which um the people there so yeah that's what i mean snowshoes for hiking the people there were so nice. We decided we were like, well, we'll just rent them for two days. Right. And we were kind of concerned only in that they would be closed probably when we got back from Estes Park. And the guy was like, listen, we have a nighttime drop off. I'll show you where it is. And that was like the easiest thing at the, the end of our trip in Estes Park to be able to come back and drop those off there, which was great. So he's like, Listen, do me a favor, though, while you're out on the trail, try to walk in your boots as long as you can and really don't put the snowshoes on until you need them. And Because we had yeah. no experience in snowshoes. Right. And I think some people try to walk, you know, in like the dirt in or on snowshoes rock. or yeah. on rock and that actually damages the snowshoes. Right. Um, they were, they were light. They were super light. Yeah. And, um... So we packed them in the car yeah, and then we um, headed back into the park and we headed to the Colorado River Trail. And with that, let's take a break. It's time for a game. And the game we're going to play today is one we haven't played in quite some time, but, but it's one of our favorites. on the trails yeah. in Rocky Mountain a lot. And we did. And it's called Commission an Album. Great. So for this game, um, I'm going to be giving you some source material. Um, and I'd like you to find an artist that you feel like would be great to kind of take on that source material and turn it into something musical. Into an album. Into an album. Yeah. 
So um, the source material that I would like to give you is The Stranger by Albert Camus. <gasps> oh my God, I love that book. That is one of my favorite books. It was one of my favorite books in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God, uh, Beck. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Beck is weird enough to figure that one out. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, I think it's a it's a collaboration between Beck and Bob Dylan. Oh, okay. I just think they would just get it. Yeah. So that is my immediate thought. Great. I love that. I yes. feel like that feels right. It's mm-hmm. been a while. I need to go back and read The Stranger because I feel oh, like I really God, I loved it. disliked it in high school. Like, or didn't dislike it. I feel like I wanted to like it more. And oh my I God, I devoured feel it. There devoured yeah in like an afternoon yeah it was great okay great yours Mm -hmm. i'm going to give you the poetry of emily dickinson oh god it has been a really long time she wrote a lot of sonnets am i wrong about that i yeah she did i mean yeah i mean her she was very transparent about her you know like um, being on inside of this house and never getting out and like, you know, the well of feelings that she always had. Mm. I feel like Alanis could probably handle her really well. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, you did not just say my favorite person. Mm-hmm. Oh, Alanis and the, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I hit that spot, didn't I? You did. And I really want to hear that happen. Mm-hmm. Like real bad. Mm-hmm. Let's make that happen. Okay. Alanis, we really want you to do a concept album of Emily Dickinson poetry. So we're just putting that out in the universe. Great. I love it. So we drive out to the Colorado River Trail and it's about like a 20 minute drive. I would feel like from the visitor centers. Gorgeous, breathtaking drive the entire way there. Yeah. I mean, the roads were super clear, although there was snow all around us and it was really just kind of incredible to see this landscape for the first time. I mean, we had seen a little bit of it in the dark the night before, but now we're actually in the park and we're getting a firsthand view here. And the snow was, I mean, up to like four feet of compacted snow Mm -hmm. at times. We get to the trailhead and this is like the only toilet we see like at a trailhead, um, which was like, you know, we're like, oh, well, this is the first trail we're on. We're just like, oh, there are pit toilets everywhere. That's a common thing. And we're like, here's a pit toilet. Wrong. We made use. And (laughs) um, we started to head off onto that trail. But like to get to like the actual sign, you had to like crawl over essentially like, you know, hills of snow. Yeah. You had to kind of bound over stuff. And while falling into it. Right. While falling into it. But, you know, for the first length of the trek, we were not in snowshoes. We were carrying them. Um, and were you using your poles too at this time? Or did you wait until we get the snowshoes on? I can't remember. I was not using my poles yet. Okay. I, um, you just were holding the snowshoes and hiking. I like was that. holding. No, you know what? I think I had the snowshoes in my hand and I, I'm, yeah, I had the snowshoes on my arm and mm-hmm. I was holding the poles too. You were so just multitasking. Doing, yeah, I was multitasking and doing both. Yeah. So the trail itself, I mean, again, this is, you know, very interesting because it's the first time we've ever hiked like in packed snow like this. A lot of rule of thumb from what we read on the signboards at the trailhead is like, to follow the footprints of the people that had come before you. Right. And that's obviously the smartest thing to do. Clearly. Now we do a decent amount of ascent at the start of the trail. Like you kind of like start off with like some gradual ascent and then it happens pretty quickly that you're going like up. Right. After a little while, we're on like a ridge that's very close to we're like at the edge of a river and like on a ridge like on a hillside right right, um, right. and kind of hiking out that way and when we get to that ridge right before that ridge i think i was like all right i think i'm a little tired of carrying these shoes mm-hmm. so i am just going to put them on yeah and i put them on and then that you also took that yeah. as a moment to do yeah. the same thing so we put our shoes on the snowshoes on and which, we start walking yeah. in them, yeah. which was a new experience. It was, it was almost like a giant metal flip flop is like the best way that I can describe it. That's like netted at the bottom. So it kind of reduces because, um, because the snow is soft, 
kind of keeps the tension away from your foot and kind of spreads it out, I feel like, to the bars that are at the outer edges of the shoe right. itself. Right. It displaces um, your it displaces the weight over a larger yeah. area. Yeah. So that kind of prevents you from sinking it in most cases. In most cases. Right. But we did find that even with snowshoes on, there were times when you just, the snow was soft, so you would just sink right on. Right. It was less so here on this trail it was a quiet quiet trail like we did not see we saw like some people anybody, at the trailhead i mean we saw some people at the trailhead but they didn't hike really but basically from that point on it was like quiet and it was to ourselves which right with the snow around and being in the woods because basically we were just like you know kind of in tree cover for most of the hike it was completely completely quiet um and let's talk about snow for a second because I have gone on record saying that I do not like snow. I think snow is no good, and I wish we didn't have it. It's snow good. It's nope, snow good, right? Yeah. And uh, I think I still agree with that. Yeah. I will say here at least I could see where it could be considered pretty. Right. But I still didn't like it. Yeah. But yeah, so we hike a little further and then eventually we kind of get to like our first little clearing area. And I'm starting to notice before we hit this little clearing area that there are some orange blazes on the trees. Now, these blazes don't really seem like they're new because a lot of the times it looked like the tree was kind of engulfing no, the blaze. No, they looked like they were put there in like 1972. Right. So, you know, we did have footprints on the ground, which was a real big help. And the blazes did help a little bit. But we got to we got to a point where we hit a trail juncture. So we were ultimately hiking out to Shipler cabins, which were the remains of some cabins. And I believe they were kind of like a they were about a two, two and a half mile hike out from that point. And then a little further out than that was Lulu City. And that was like, it would have made our trip like more like four miles out. And right, so like right. an eight mile hike in total. So that was kind of like what we were looking for as an ultimate destination. But we, we hit this trail marker and it tells us like kind of where we're at distance wise. So we're about 1.8 miles from the cabins and about 3.2 miles from Lulu City at that point. And that's the first little kind of clearing that we come to. And then eventually we're back in the woods again. But we're back in the woods yeah. again, and it's a little bit brighter outside. Right. It was the first time I was really experiencing, like, okay, like, actually the temperature is fairly warm, but yet there's snow right. everywhere. Right. I think it wasn't too long after that we, we kind of just delayered a little bit because we had layered up pretty good. Right. Um, neither of us decided, which is usually the case, to bring like a winter jacket. We just were prepared to layer. So I had like a North Face rain jacket on and like a waffle knit shirt and a t-shirt on. And I was like, oh God, this jacket has to come off. And you were kind of in a similar situation. Well, there. I had decided that I was going to make use of the running tights that I no longer wear because I am not like a marathon. I'm not running marathons anymore at this time. Uh, so I decided I was like, I'm going to hike in these tights and I'm going to make this work. So I was in a pair of tights plus my boots and then like a shirt and then this vest that I had gotten uh, to wear on the trail. What started happening while we were hiking in our snowshoes was that the snowshoes would like kick snow up and the snow would land in between like the opening of my boot and my leg, which was in the uh, the running tights. And like it was freezing like down the back of my foot. And I was like, oh, this is so annoying. And I had to keep like digging snow out of the back of my boot. Yeah, you and didn't then have it would, the like, best experience. There. No. And then it kept melting and it would like add to like making my foot like all soggy. And it was uh, it was difficult like going out there. Yeah. I definitely feel like I had like a little bit of an easier time in the snowshoes than you did because you were also having some issues later on with the straps coming loose. And that coupled with the snow kind of coming into your boot was definitely like making you very quickly irritated about the whole situation. Oh my God, so irritated. Yeah. 
And it was our first time. Like, I think we were just like a little green with that, which is understandable. And the guy at the mountain goods, uh, the mountain sports store was, he was very helpful and very informative, but he just was kind of like, okay, here's what you do. And like, you know, here's how you strap in, but it wasn't like anything like here's the technique here's how to prevent snow from getting here it was just right. kind of like i think it just i think it just happens. comes with the territory just right comes with the territory so you know and we're, now i understand why they have like the big openings of pants at the bottom even though i think they look hideous right get that boot which you were wearing those that day i did i had like um breakaway pants and you were yeah. not if, having that problem no because they covered like my boot openings which was really nice we hike a little bit more and we're really not in dense tree cover at this point but we're still in the woods and we're kind of like in and out of like these little openings and little clearings and we get to this point there's a blaze on the tree and then we kind of open up into a much bigger clearing yeah and i would describe it as like a meadow or something uh, you know or what it would be in like the summer or something it was a pretty big meadow it was yeah. big and there were footprints going in lots of directions like most of them were directed them in were, one direction yeah, yeah like you could see like people had walked out to like take pictures or like had you know get a little closer to this other thing and then they'd come back to the main set of footprints right and we were pretty far beyond the sign point at this point so we we're like we have to be pretty close to the cabins so you know like dusty said it looks like people had walked out to one point and then like kind of walked out a little further and then come back and there were some footprints that kind of continued across this giant meadow that was at least a football field, if not more, oh, like double a football field in length. More like, like three, three or football, four yeah. football fields. So we, you know, follow the main set of footprints into another set of trees. And all of a sudden, we, we lose the, the threat. The yeah. threat is gone. And we do not know which direction these footprints are going. Right. There are footprints over there, but they aren't making any sense. There were some points like, you know, a little further back where it was like, oh, footprints went this way. So we're like, okay, well, there aren't any blazes on the tree here. Let's backtrack a little and let's try these sets of footprints. And then we and got to we a point. Did, and we essentially encountered the exact same thing. Right. It's like they walked out for a bit and then they stopped. And then we were like, okay, well, now what? Wandering aimlessly through a forest uh, was not something I was interested in doing. Right, right. Without any breadcrumbs to like leave Right, us exactly. Back. And there were, I mean, I honestly saw like three blazes the whole time. There were like definitely places where blazes were, but right. they had been broken off right. by then. So, you know, we kind of made this executive decision that you know, there's no point in trying to just like beat ourselves up and kind of go against the grain here. We were, you know, having a little bit of a struggle with the snowshoes and we're like, you know what, let's just turn around. We've kind of started to adopt the doctrine of no FOMO more and more on these trips. Not that that hasn't been part of our doctrine from the get go, but this is one of those hikes where it didn't seem smart to continue on, even though there was plenty of light left. We weren't about to, like Dusty said, kind of play around with getting lost in the woods. So we just kind of headed back the way that we came following the footprints that were there. And on the way back, the snow getting into my boots became like the worst. Yeah. So I took the buff off of out you know, off of my neck and I used it and tied it around my boot. You trail hacked it real good. Because it was like, I need to create a barrier between, you know, to cover this area, you know, between my leg and this boot so mm -hmm. that the snow doesn't get in. And then you were very kind enough to offer your buff and I did the same thing on the other leg. Yeah. I mean, that came after I was like, no, I don't need your buff. And I just worked with one for a yeah. little while and then I like walked some more but still was digging, you know, snow out of the back of the boot. And then you were like, just take my buff. It'll right. be fine. And so thank you. And then I put it around my other foot. And then I was like good to go the yeah. rest of the day. Yeah. Well, I was also like very apt to give it to you too. Because I had bought like a, a really cool bandana at the sporting goods store. That's right. So was I was full like. full of stores and constellations. That's right. I'm going to wear my bandana. I was living that bandana life. But um, yeah, so we, we hiked back. And, you know, it was incredibly beautiful out there um one thing that we like definitely noticed was that it was just like moose poop city or like animal poop city oh my god or I'm scat it was city moose poop or elk <laughs> right, poop right you know um because that was like all over the trail so it was really interesting to kind of like 
again, things that we were seeing for the first time and probably things that were a little bit more apparent on the white snow right. um, was just like animal droppings kind of everywhere. Right. The trail itself was, as we kind of get back into the, like the denser wood, really, really nice because you're along that river again and it's so peaceful. And like that sound of running water and running through the snow was such like a really calming thing. Um, and it's because always a even though there thing. was snow about yeah. like you could at times hear that river right like, the melt falling. was the melt was happening right yeah. but yeah so we kind of winded our way back down and as we got to like the point where we would be making like the major descent kind of back down we saw a we family, saw a family yeah. coming up i think a couple of them were already feeling that ascent yeah you know but you know it was we told them we were like listen we hiked about this far and then we lost the footprints so we turned back around right they were like we're only doing this for about you know this 45 minutes yeah. or so and then we're coming right back yeah we continued on we took our snowshoes off before we like stepped onto the pavement right. of the parking lot but it was like we had to fall through five feet of snow yeah. in order to get through the parking well, lot. Well, at that point, it was past noon, so the sun was high. The snow was starting to really melt, so we were losing that time frame like for being able to hike, even just in boots, as the ranger had said earlier. And our snowshoes were doing a decent job, but they were also starting to fail a little in those spots. Exactly. So we were happy to take those off for a little bit. We were like, listen, there are two other hikes that we want to try to do. Let's head to this other one. And that other hike was Green Mountain. And with that, let's take a little break. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, it's time for Drag Queen Corner. And please welcome to the stage, Miss Willa Willa Fjord. So this name is inspired by the pop diva one-hit wonder Willa Ford, also known as Amanda Williford, but her last name deemed her Willa Ford. I think she was also more famous for just hosting MTV Spring Break. Mm-hmm. But she had the song, I Want to Be Bad. Mm-hmm. But her name... I Want to Be Bad. Exactly. Yeah. So, will a fjord, because a fjord is... A fjord is a, if we remember from the Jeopardy that you eviscerated me for. <laughs> many, many Jeopardies. Many, yeah. So, a fjord is a water feature that's a long, narrow inlet with steep sides or cliffs, um, which was created by a glacier. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. I feel like she is a Nordic queen. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like she is sort of like, um, you know, a little flight sort of the like Valkyries. That also very mystical kind mm-hmm. of like fantasy. Oh yeah, she's living that fantasy life. Exactly. I feel like she does like live that Valkyrie lifestyle, I think and like there's an armor type component yes. to her outfits, um, and I feel like it's a lot of gold. Um, oh yeah a la like almost a la Julianne Moore in the dream sequence in Big Lebowski um, oh movies I didn't see yeah movies you haven't sure but okay yeah Mm -hmm. and I would also say I think she wears this like white out um, contact lenses so Mm -hmm. her eyes just look white right like I think she's like that kind of fantasy okay like I think there's something you know like deeply magical about her I think she lip syncs to Annie Lennox Oh, and the Eurythmics, like that kind of weirdness. Oh, is it? Here comes the rain again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think it is. Right, right. Um, yeah, a hundred percent percent I I feel that Annie Lennox vibe. Yeah, for sure. there's definitely something like woodsy and um, very sort of you know like woodland creature about mm-hmm. her, nymph-like, nymph-like. So, with that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Miss. Willa Fjord. Fjord. So, you know, we take a little bit of a drive back towards um, the entrance to the Grand Lake section of the park. um, And we pull off about 10 minutes down the road on our left to the trailhead for Green Mountain. Um, And Green Mountain was another hike that was recommended to us um, when we were at the ranger station. And it leads to a place called big meadow. Right. And so we were, we were told it was really pretty there and we wanted to, you know, like go and see it. Right. And so that was why, and we were planning on doing this and then getting back in the car and then doing this other like four mile hike um, 
down a little closer to the entrance that would hopefully not require any snowshoes. Right. That's what we were told. Right. So we get on this trail, the Green Mountain Trail, Mm -hmm. and we start heading toward uh, Big Meadow. And we did the same thing again, which is we stood in our boots and we carried our snowshoes. Right. But we got about 15 feet and we were falling through and we were like, nope, we have to put them on now. Yeah. So we just put them on right there. Well, there was like a couple too that was like, little out on the trail and they were like oh where did you get those like have you used them they were like asking us questions like we were like pros and we're like oh these old things no we were like oh so we rented them downtown they were you know they've been very helpful um and they weren't that expensive and we kind of went through that with them and they're like okay and like was like and they work really well and as soon as i said that i like plummeted through the snow totally. with them on and they like laughed at me and totally. I was like but they do work really well right uh, it was definitely like comic now, timing at this moment you know you had sort of concocted this plan that we were going to do this third hike afterwards and I was over here going you know what I would love is to just do this hike and then call it a day but I felt like it was a little too premature to make that offering mm-hmm. and it was like I have already arrived at this conclusion. I'm going to see what happens and see if Mike can organically arrive at this conclusion by himself. So you and I both did that to one another this trip. Did we? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we set off um, onto this trail, which was, I mean, a gradual incline. Right. Most of the time on this trail. Yeah. Like it was, it was, I have we to were say, headed up. Snowshoe hiking for me, at least, it required all use of my legs, but also like a ton of core. Like, oh yeah, 100%. my core was like so. Also, you like, were using your arms snatched at the end of that, like, and using my arms with the uh, the poles with the poles because mm-hmm. you didn't have your poles out. No, I didn't use my poles until pride. Like it was not pride. I think I used them at some point. I think the Cub Lake hike in Estes Park, I pulled them out for that. Oh, okay. Um, but I didn't use them then, um, which is probably stupid on my part. And most of the reason I use the poles are because like my one, my right knee kind of locks up a little bit. And I find that like offsetting the weight is very helpful, but I wasn't really feeling any strain on my knee in the snow. Um, I think it was like a lot of moving slow, a lot of not moving over rocky terrain, despite the right, fact that the right. snow was difficult. It was like for all intents and purposes, not very jarring to my knee. So I was, I was poleless. It wasn't jarring to your knee until we were like, you know, about midway through and we had seen a few people. Right. And the first group of people, we were like, how long is it until big meadow? And he was like, I don't know, like another half mile. Yeah. And then we walked for what felt like another half mile. And then we (laughs) talked to another person and they were like, oh, yeah, it's like uh, probably another half mile. <laughs> and that, you know, brought back all that sort of like Yosemite Falls trauma yeah. for me. Also, that was when I crumbled and died. Right. And that is when I was like, yeah, no third hike for me today. Yeah. I'm not doing this. Like, I'm so tired already yeah. as it is. Yeah. And um, what the thing was about that hike was we kept passing these looked meadows, like big meadows over to the side that looked, cause we were in the middle of trees yeah. the whole time, basically doing a gradual uphill in snowshoes. And, um, when we would pass these big meadows, we were like, Oh, well, is that it? I don't think so. I don't think that's the big meadow. I think it's a <laughs> it's meadow, a big meadow, but not the big meadow. And when we were passing one of them, you just like ate it, like right in. Oh, my my left boot and snowshoe went sunk into the snow, like right. a few feet in. And I could not unjam myself by myself. Right. So and I like, had to help pull you I don't out. even think I would have been able to take my boot off. Like if I would have had to have like dug through the snow. So right, like right. you did have to like pull me out. And like I had already fallen through a few times. So... It wasn't like completely dampening my mood, but at this point, like the wet experience that Dusty was having on the inside Uh. of his shoes from flicking snow, because my boot had gone in and was stuck there, I was like fully immersed now. And also, let's remember folks that like water is flowing freely underneath the snowpack because stuff is melting and it's drip dripping down. That's right. So I was hitting like 
puddles as I was going through too. So I was like starting to feel like the little bit of anger that was kind of arising that you were probably feeling like like long ago long ago about like having wet feet and having you know it just like you know a wet sock rubbing up against everything yeah yeah so i mean again very peaceful kind of idyllic sort of hike we did hear some woodpeckers like along the way we did and like some other animals but we didn't have any sightings of anything at this point um and you know, I think we passed probably three groups of people. Like Dusty said, the first group, it was like four guys. Then it was a group of two guys. And then it was this other group of two guys. And they're like, it's really not that far. We're like, okay. And we're hiking and hiking. And I think the both of us like are starting to hit that wall. And you had already probably hit it. Oh, I was just slowly crumbling. And you were like, listen, what are we gaining by continuing to go out here? Look at all these big meadows that we've seen. And I was just like, you know what? I really do want to hit this terminal point for this hike. I feel like, you know, we kind of got turned around on Colorado River Trail. I feel like I would have loved to have seen the cabins and gone out that far. So let's like just go a little longer. And we kind of made like a time agreement. And it was like, listen, if in 10 minutes we haven't hit the meadow, we're going to turn around. And also, you know, there's a sort of like fundamental sort of difference in things. Like if we're doing a hike that has like an ending point, like cabins or like a peak or like a something Mm -hmm. like you naturally are like, well, I'm hiking this until we get to that thing. Right. And I ultimately want the same thing. Right. But if the conditions change, I'm all, I'm the first one to be like, "Mm, no, I'm good. You know? So, uh, which I think like works in our favor, both, both ways. But, uh, yeah, at this point I was like, we have fallen now through the snow, like a dozen times each. So, yeah. So here's my time compromise for you. And like, lo and behold, like we start to descend like a little bit right after we made this right after we made this time choice and like started to descend and there it was there's big meadow big meadow and And it was a big meadow oh it was huge it It was was bigger than so big meadows we thought we saw (laughs) it was totally worth seeing yeah i i thought it was beautiful i was like yeah now i understand why they said come out and see this yeah it was even larger than that very large meadow that we had just experienced on the Colorado River Trail, right. which was very big in and of itself. So right. there was a bench there so we could actually sit. It was clear of snow and we kind of just like sat and snacked a little bit. And then we were like, all right, well, we turn around now and we, we got to go back. trudge back. And, you know, we had to do our little bit of uphill work there at the beginning. But right. The but nice thing was everything was basically everything else downhill. was downhill at that point. We did on our way back down. We still fell through a number of times. Right. And that just like reconfirmed like, okay, like we're done for today. Exacerbated our like, yeah. anger. At one point you finally were like, okay, we're not doing the third trail. And I was like, score one for me and zero for Rocky Mountain National Park. Because <laughs> so, that's what we do. We right. know, play against the parks. We headed back down, and on our way out, we ran into that same family. But it was just the dad and one of the young girls. So it was the family was a mom and a dad and two and like, they did daughters, not teenage have daughters. Snowshoes. No, they all three of the the mom and the two girls had snowshoes, but the dad didn't. That's right. Um, on the original hike we were on on Colorado River, and then we you know, saw the family on the way, like right at the trailhead as we were exiting and we're like, Hey, like, this is how far it is. Like, and they're like, we have like literally a half hour. Like the other two didn't want to come with us. I think that's exactly how he said it too. He's like the other two didn't want to come with us. Right. So we're just going to hike this by ourselves. And we're like, okay, well, happy trails to you. At this point we are like fully soaked through in our socks. Fully soaked through. Like we, take off our uh, snowshoes and we walk across the parking lot back to the car. I take off my boots and my socks, which are like entirely wet. Oh, I had to wring my socks out. Yeah. Like full, full wet. And then I put my sneakers on. Yeah. And then, um, and that was when we called it a day. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were like totally, totally zonk there. Let's put these hikes on the Karen stone scale. 
Now, it's going to be a little hard because it's going to be like, we don't actually know what these trails are like without snow. So it is going to be like... Snow biased. Snow biased. So the Colorado River Trail. Um, The Colorado River Trail, I actually don't think was in the grand scheme of things all that difficult. Um, I would imagine too... In the non-snowy times, it wouldn't all be all that difficult. It'd be super easy, um, I'm sure. I'm gonna say it's like a three, maybe. I'm gonna give yeah. it a four, yeah. only because of that ledge that felt a little treacherous. I think so, but I again, I I just feel like that would be something that would totally be stemmed with right. no snow. So yeah, um, it gets a seven out of twenty. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Green Mountain. I would give this. I'm gonna give it a. Five only because of the gradual uphill and all of the like times we fell. So yeah. I mean, I'm gonna do it with the snow bias. So it's five with the snow bias, and it would probably be less without. I feel that too. I do feel like there was a little bit more work involved here, um, just because there was a lot more incline than um, Rock the Colorado River Trail. So I'm gonna say a five as well um, on, on this one. Um, you know, the snow really was a hindrance here. And again, that was partly because it was later in the day. So the melts was a little bit stronger because it was a warmer day too. Like we had some like crazy, beautiful weather when we were in Rocky mountain. Like it ended up being a lot warmer than it was supposed to be. It was a gorgeous. And then like we left Rocky mountain and it snowed again. Like exactly. So we were kind of in that weird moment in time where some stuff was melted, some stuff was still walkable, even but it though wasn't it was snow-packed. snowing. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So, so we're going to give that one a ten out of twenty on the Karen Stone scale. And now let's play some Jeopardy. Okay, Dust, hit us with your Jeopardy first. Okay, so I um I find it to be very, very important to know your mountain ranges. Oh my God, I hate you so much. <laughs> so um, this is called Know Your Colorado Mountain Ranges. Uh, no, there yes. are so many of them. Well, let me explain. Really, there's one, and that is the Rocky Mountains. And then there are sub-ranges throughout, mm-hmm. and all of them are included in the Rocky Mountains. Oh, I hate you. So... um. I find it to be very, very important to know which mountain ranges you're looking at. So here we go for... Get ready for failure, folks. For 100. <laughs> I have designed these clues to help you understand right. the um, the name. So here we go for 100. This is southwestern mountain range of the Rockies that extends into New Mexico are named after one of the four biblical evangelists and translated into Spanish. What are the San Marco Mountains? Incorrect. What are the San Juan Mountains? Great. We saw them many times. Know your Colorado mountain ranges for 200. The name of this southernmost sub-range of the Rockies when translated means the Blood of Christ Mountains. What are the Sangre de Cristo Mountains? Correct. Because I only pointed that out a million times. Exactly. Yeah. All right. For 300. This high, rugged, west-central mountain range of the Rockies is named for the antlered animals that graze there and are often posing for photographs near the Rocky Mountain National Park Visitor Center. What are the Elk Mountains? That is correct. The Elk Mountains. Moving on to 400. This southwestern sub-range of the San Juan Mountains shares its name for a medical tool used for injection of vaccines so we don't spread measles. What are the Needle Mountains? That is correct. Look at that. Look at that. You're doing better than you thought. Mm -hmm. And now finally, know your Colorado mountain ranges for 500. These north central mountains in the Rocky Mountains are aptly named for the season it most feels like, or more accurately, for the season it doesn't ever feel like. And it also shares its name with a popular outdoor mountain gear store located in Grand Lake, Colorado. What are the Never Summer Mountains? That is correct. There we go. You got four out of five. Four out of five. Look at you go. The $100 being the one that tripped me up. There you are. All right. So my Jeopardy category is called Centennial State because Colorado is 
named the Centennial State because it was founded in 1876, 100 oh. years after the founding of our nation. I didn't know that. So this, in this category, you'll be guessing a state based off of the clues about 100 years after its founding. Okay. Great. So Centennial State for 100. This state joined the Union in 1850 after numerous rushes brought people west. A hundred years later, in 1950, and the state's Midas touch saw the establishment of studio bases of NBC and CBS within its bounds. What is California? That is correct. Centennial State for 200. This 1864 joiner to the Union would, in 1964, see a plane crash from Bonanza Airlines, their only crash with the fatalities in their 23-year-long history, 10 miles south-southwest of this major city and gambling mecca. What is Nevada? That is correct. All right. Centennial State for 300. In 1945, 100 years after its founding, this sunny state was the top-listed state to move to after California. While air conditioning window units weren't readily available till 1951, people made the most of its humid and mosquito-filled air. What is Florida? That is correct. Our penis of America. (laughs) Centennial State for 400. A hundred years after its establishment in 1989, this evergreen state saw the first of six years of new seismic activity from this ticking time bomb mountain that exploded nine years prior in 1980. What is Alaska? Incorrect. What is Washington State? And I'm talking about Mount Mount St. Helens. Helens. Yeah, of course. Okay. And our last clue, Centennial State for 500. Better late than never, this southern state adopts its flag in 1912, 100 years after its founding. Its solid blue field adorned with a group of pelicans must be a direct nod to that giant river that deltas there. What is Louisiana? That is correct. Because the pelican is the Louisiana state bird. There you go. And that's Centennial State. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often. And that adventure is always out there. Follow us on Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks or email us at Gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman with Mariella Klinger. All original artwork featured on Instagram is by Michael Ryan. We would also like to acknowledge that while hiking in the Rocky Mountain National Park, that we were on the traditional lands of the Ute, Apaho, Cheyenne, and Comanche Indian tribes. <laughs>